Welcome everyone. My name is Penny Melquist. I work at Invivo Biosystems in business development, but I'm formally trained as a scientist. So uh, some of you have talked to me in a science role in business development. Uh, but today on 17 Minutes of Science, we're gonna be talking to jo Dr. Janice Weeks. Welcome Janice. And our topic is gonna be uh, comparing platforms for testing enzymatic drugs in C. elegans. So this will be great. You can talk to us about your collaborations with Bayer. Um, but first, I wanted to do a quick, uh, quick bio about you, Janice. Uh, Janice got her BS in Applied Life Sciences from MIT. She did her PhD in Biology and Neuroscience at UC San Diego, your postdoc at University of Washington. You were a faculty member at UC Berkeley. And uh, in 1988, you moved your lab to the U of O. Yes, lucky us from the U of O as a full professor to focus on uh, in vivo biosystems. So we're very fortunate. Um, and uh, your research, so uh, you uh, have always worked with invertebrate species, leeches, insects, nematodes, used primarily in electrophysiology. Uh, you've done a lot of work on the screen ship system, um, but you focus on um, identifying neural circuits for behavior with an emphasis on hormonally mediated synaptic transmission and plasticity. Uh, Dr. Janice Weeks and Dr. Sean Lockery, longtime colleagues at the U of O uh, Neuroscience Institute, Founded NEMA Metrics in 2011 as a spinoff from the University of Oregon. And uh, another interesting fact about Janice is um, she's taught neuroscience in Africa for about 25 years of, um, with their interest in neglected tropical diseases, uh, specifically helminth infections. Um, and you also, uh, I never knew this about you, Janice, you got funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So you were working on C. elegans, but it was a nice compliment to focus on parasitic nematodes. Um, and your current research, aside from all of the other things that you do for us, is to focus on new technologies and platforms to advance research on anthelmintic drugs for animals and humans. And first and foremost, I really have to say, it's an honor to interview you today. Um, I see you on a, you know, periodically and we have meetings together, but I, I really appreciate all that you do for our company and our colleagues serving as a mentor and what you do around the globe. So thanks, Janice. Well, thank you, Penny. All right, so um, I'm gonna start our timer, 17 minutes, and uh, it's probably gonna go by in about 17 seconds, but let's go ahead and get started. So um, why don't we talk about, uh, if you could you know, sort of talk to us about what are anthelmintic drugs? Great, well, again, thanks, Penny, and I'm so honored. This is the first time you've done an interview, and I'm so honored that um, I'm the lucky one to be interviewed <laughs> by you. So yeah, let me start by explaining what antelmintic drugs are. So helminths, the term helminth means parasitic worms of different types. So antelmintic or anthelmintic just means drugs um, that kill worms. So the worms are often, you know, they're parasitic and these various chemical classes of drugs, but in all cases, they're treatments for animals or humans to rid them of parasitic worms. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. So when you think about, you know, C. elegans and non-parasitic nematodes and parasitic nematodes, you know, in your, in your studies, you know, you, you use C. elegans. So maybe you could elaborate a little bit more about, you know, not using parasitic worms, but using C. elegans, how that parallels and, and joins together. Yeah, that's a really active question in the research community now. So one thing about parasitic nematodes, and I have worked on parasites, so <clears throat> hookworms and uh, ascaris, and 
those and other mammalian parasites have to be generally raised in mammals. And so for example, the hookworms I worked on, which infect humans, they can be raised in the lab in hamsters. But um, in general, it's really expensive and complicated um, mm -hmm. to raise mammalian parasites in the lab. You know, you need to have mammalian hosts and it's expensive and complicated. On the other hand, those are the worms we wanna kill. So working on C. elegans, um, you know, there's certain, you know, actually high degree of genetic um, homology in the genomes of C. elegans and the parasites. So sometimes if you have a gene target uh, targeted by a drug, it's also present in C. elegans, or, and this is something we do at in vivo biosystems, we can insert parasite genes into C. elegans to study them. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so there's uh, C. elegans is valuable in a lot of ways, for example, finding hypotheses about potential mm -hmm. new drugs or how they work, <clears throat> but then they can be followed up in parasitic species. So mm -hmm. the field kind of moves ahead by, move, by yeah. you know, C. elegans as a simpler, more tractable system yeah. than the actual parasites. Sort of like a precursor. Yeah. Okay. Give, you some, give you an indication of kind of what you might see. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that for a long time you uh, have worked with, uh, as in vivo biosystems, with Bayer Animal Health in Germany um, on a lot of the similar areas. Could you maybe elaborate on, on what you uh, were working on and kind of what your hypothesis was? Yeah, well, this dates back. So Bayer Animal Health in Monheim, Germany, um, actually was acquired by Alanco last year. So they're now out of the Bayer um, family, I guess you would say, but for many years now, I've been um, meeting up with uh, a bear scientist, Daniel Kolke, who was in Germany, but we would meet at conferences and so on. And we <clears throat> eventually, so over the years, and he, Daniel and his con, uh, colleague, Iring, Iring Heisler, and Daniel came to Eugene and met with us and saw our experimental platforms. Then I spent some time in Germany visiting them and talking. And eventually we came up with this collaboration, which um, had to do with comparing three platforms that, what, that are available um, to test and characterize antimuntic drugs. Two of them are electrophysiological, which is my specialty. And then one of them is a platform to measure motility. And just, um, I'm gonna to have to explain this at some point, so I will now. So the electrophysiological methods, and these were experiments done on C. elegans. So when Sean Lockery and I founded the company, it was based on a microfluidic device that could record electropharyngiograms, that is the electrical signals from the pumping of the pharynx. And the original device was an eight channel chip where you could record EPGs or electropharyngiograms from eight worms at a time. That rig is available at in vivo biosystems for work um, that we can do for others, but it's not commercially available. But then the other two platforms we looked at in this study are the screen chip, mm -hmm. which is a one channel EPG device, recording device that is um, that we do make at IVD. And then the other uh, platform is called the W MicroTracker, which is a multi-well format uh, device that measures worm motility by when the worms uh, break a little microbeam um, by moving, 
it's counted. So what the project ended up being was to compare these three platforms to see which are best adapted for which kind of experiments. And Bayer had the screen chip and microtracker uh, in their labs there. And then a postdoc, Stefan Vanell, came to um, Eugene and did experiments with us for a few weeks using the eight channel. So that was the project. Oh, nice. And is it still ongoing or is it wrapping well, up? I'm we, trying to remember, I know your paper. Yeah, we pretty, yeah, the project, we finished all the experiments and the paper, um, we're returning it um, with revisions at the end of this week in International Journal of Parasitology Drug and Drugs and Drug Resistance. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that summarizes all the work uh, that came out of this collaboration. Yeah, nice. So I'm curious, was there anything that really surprised you out of the all of the work that you did? You did? Um, well, I'd have to get into some of the results. Uh, surprise. I guess one of the main uh, findings we found I mean, many people use motility. I mean, there's standard assays people use to look for drugs that will kill worms. You know, they can look at development or reproduction or motility. Um, but electrophysiology can be especially useful because most of the drugs out there act on ion channels. So an electrophysiological readout, um, it's gonna be lower throughput, but often provides you more specific info. Mm -hmm. So what I, one thing that surprised me and, and pleased us about our results is that we found that electrophysiological um, recordings could uh, illustrate drugs or um, target specific phenotypes. So mm -hmm. we found that some electrical, electrophysiological signatures could separate this class of antiomintic drug, which acts on one ion channel from another class that we studied. And so that was really gratifying. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if it's surprising. It's what we hoped for, but we were pleased. Yeah, well, that's good. Cause that's, it's really never good to be surprised when you're doing research. No, but it, unless, it's a, unless it's a positive surprise. Yeah. So it's interesting you think about, you know, the, using the two platforms, you know, although they're very different um, and one doesn't sound like one really favored the other but they nicely complemented themselves to sort of give more of a fuller picture of of what was going on. Yeah, one um, outcome of the paper, and actually the reviewers asked us to add a table of this, is you know we identified strengths and limitations of all three platforms so that investigators can now pick you know what, what best meets their needs. So that was um, you know a, a valuable thing for us to find out for ourselves, but also for anybody that wants to use these methods. Mm -hmm. Nice. So the next steps, the paper is being, you know, reviewed and, and, and edited. Uh, what about, you know, um, any further studies that come out of it that you can elaborate on? Um, well, we're not, I mean, unless we, yeah, we don't have any plans to continue this collaboration with, um, with Bear Animal Health, although we would be happy to, but anyway, that's mm -hmm. not in the works right now. But yeah. forward, we're just a lot more confident about, um, you know, both in-house for us, but also for people out there that have microtrackers or uh, screen mm -hmm. chips, you know, what what aspects of them are good for which sort of experiment, depending on what, you know, what you want to find out. 
And then again, this also sets us up for more of the eight channel EPG work that we can do in-house in terms of when is it most appropriate um, as a tool based on mm -hmm. what you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it definitely seems like, I know you've, you've given talks about this, but the, the interest in research that's being carried on, especially with funding from the Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, the research into parasitic, uh, the parasitic world is really expanding. Wouldn't you say that's an accurate assessment of the past couple of years? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, I mean, I'm guessing maybe a lot of the funding, say for international global health, some of it's now, I think, diverted off for COVID, which is... Um, you know, a more acute emergency, but in fact, mm -hmm. human helminth infections cause huge, you know, morbidity, not so much death, but just chronic illness and stunning of children. And, um, you know, there's just the, a third of the world's population uh, carries a parasitic infection. So it's a huge issue and it's often been neglected how important this is. But one mm -hmm. interesting aspect is that all of the drugs, anti-parasitic drugs, anti-antelminthic anti drugs used on humans came from veterinary medicine. So mm -hmm. the funding and the you know, motivation to develop drugs for say companion animals, you know, if we have dogs or cats, they've been mm -hmm. worked as puppies or kittens, agricultural animals, you know, cattle, goats, horses, all those. Uh, there's a huge need for new drugs because of drug resistance and then the way it works, those then typically set up a way to um, make those drugs work for humans. Mm -hmm. So um, I think there's a lot more investment in animal antelmintic drug development right now, but that always um, is a plus for human infections as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that nicely segues into my other curiosity question. If you could maybe talk about, you know, your work um, in Africa, um, you know, working with, uh, you know, parasitic research and, and educating people in neuroscience, um, it nicely complements what you do for us at In Vivo Biosystems. And since you are the um, chief global health officer, which I didn't say that earlier, so my apologies, and co-founder, um, if maybe you could talk about that in our last couple minutes. We have five minutes left, so um, oh, okay, you're doing great, yeah. Yeah, well, I um, just out of the blue got invited um, right after the end of apartheid in South Africa. I just got a phone call asking me if I would like to come in and teach in the first neuroscience workshop um, coming into South Africa after apartheid. And that was in 1996. And that just flipped a switch, really. And so since then, I've been involved with the International Brain Research Organization, which offers um, you know, research and education capacity building in neuroscience, really all over the world, but especially on low and middle income countries. And I've sort of specialized in Africa. And the last decade or so, a small team of us have focused on a workshop called Teaching Tools, which takes uh, junior young beginning faculty members and works on uh, you know, new, innovative, integrative ways to teach neuroscience and neurology. Um, so we've been running that workshop. We didn't run it last year, obviously, because of COVID, but we're thinking about doing it this year. But it was being in Africa year after year for those um, 
workshops and then I'm involved in Zimbabwean music. So I've spent a lot of time in Zimbabwe and just seeing these diseases firsthand. I mean, that's what really, I mean, that's what really just changed my research directions, um, mm -hmm. you know, in the mid 2000s to say, how can I take my neuroscience expertise and even though what I was doing before I loved, you know, how can I apply it to a, an applied global health problem like parasitic disease? So that's what got me here. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you think your next steps are going to be? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, you mean uh, career-wise, research-wise, travel? Oh, just like Africa, because, you know, oh. your whole career in like neuroscience, uh, physiology, parasites, Africa, these are all related. And so mm -hmm. it seems like there's another, you know, move after that and, you know, tying all of these things together. Well, I, I, get, I think for now, and especially with all the uncertainty with the pandemic, I'm just going to keep being, you know, the, pande the pandemic, the parasite <laughs> um, contact at uh, in vivo and, you know, work with customers and researchers who are interested in antimentic drug development or other drug development as well. And then I'm going to keep going to Africa teaching again, mm -hmm. that may pick up, that may be possible again, starting this fall. Um, mm -hmm. I also, even though I'm retired from U of O, I come back and teach one course a year on tropical diseases in Africa yeah. for biology students. So I've kept doing that because it's a really great way to, you know, alert our students about all the important research questions and, um, you know, health problems out there that hopefully mm -hmm. they can graduate and go out and help solve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm curious, uh, are there any like antelmintic drugs that are, you know, um, at the top of your mind in terms of popularity, like top two, top three? Well, um, there's a lot of uh, drugs that are in the um, benzimidazole class, like albendazole and so on. And those drugs act by destabilizing microtubules. But the other, well, there's two other classes really. And these are ones we used for this study with bare animal health. One is the avermectin drugs like ivermectin. Mm -hmm. You've probably worm, if you have pets, used ivermectin to worm them. So that class of drugs, they act on glutamate-gated chloride channels on muscle. And then the other class uh, that we've worked on a lot is um, drugs that activate acetylcholine receptors mm -hmm. uh, like levamisole, um, mm -hmm. and that's an agonist of ACH receptors. And both of those classes of drugs cause paralysis of worms. And then say for intestinal parasites, once they're paralyzed, they can just be swept out of the, mm. of the digestive mm. tract. So I favor, I personally as an electrophysiologist <laughs> favor the drugs that act on, you know, neuromuscular transmission or synaptic targets, but mm. there are other classes out there that act, you know, that perturb other aspects of mm -hmm. the physiology. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, we have about 20 seconds left. And um, I just want to take the time to thank you again for being such an amazing resource. Um, I always am sending you emails and questions about uh, parasitic, uh, you know, questions that I have from from other people. And uh, just out of curiosity, you know, you're talking about Africa. So thank you so much for being an amazing colleague, a fantastic mentor and an excellent example of a woman in science. Um, you're amazing Please. and um, just keep on keeping on and uh, don't hesitate to use Dr. Weeks. I'm going to use it on you. Uh, 
Well, thank and, uh, you. I, yeah. And I want to take 20 seconds to give a shout out to the person that produces and directs and edits and curates this entire series, uh, Hannah Houston. Um, one day you're going to be interviewed and I'll, I'll make sure that that happens. But, um, you know, without Hannah, this would not happen. She does all of the behind the scenes work. Uh, she's got several screens going uh, um, right now so that we can live stream this. So thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Dr. Weeks. It's a pleasure to be your colleagues and uh, tune in next week for another great show and we'll be back. Thank you.